Okay, welcome to Soulful 7 Conversations. We are on location at Buttermoon Farm in Landrum, South Carolina. And my guest is a very special person. He goes by John in the courtroom. He goes by Johnny to his friends and people that mm -hmm. love him. He goes by Duke to his 24 grandchildren. And for me and my five sisters, we just call him Dad. Um, he's probably the one guest that I have really wanted to get on Soulful 7 <laughs> because um, he doesn't realize this, but I am working really hard on a new book. And the title of the new book is Soulful, and it is dedicated to him. Wow. And so I, um, I guess I started writing for Bread and Honey, um, gosh, it's been like, I don't know, six, eight, I don't even know how long. Um, and the first year, after the first year of writing for Bread and Honey, my dad showed up and had printed out every single thing I wrote for that entire year and had um, curated it into a notebook for me and gave it to me. And then he did it again the next year, and then he did it again the next year, and then I just saw on the kitchen counter that he has done it again for me. So he doesn't know how much that means to me, but um, the way that he supports me and um, he sends around my writing to people in South Carolina, people that he thinks needs a nudge of hope or encouragement. And um, he just really has been an incredible inspiration to who I am as a person in the world, how I see the world, um, how I move in the world, and, and um, that I'm a person of hope and um, helping people, and I really attribute that to my dad. So welcome, John, Thank you. Johnny, Thank you. Duke, Thank you. Dad. That's glad a, you're you know, here. That's, that's almost like something you would say at my funeral. No, so, Dad. So I'm so glad I'm here today to hear it. So, <laughs> oh, thank that's you. so funny. Uh, but uh, I am glad, Dad, that you're yeah. here. And I have to preface this that um, we are <clears throat> in the coronavirus lockdown, and I can't imagine being anywhere but here at your house. One, because I know that I'm going to be fed very well. Hmm. Between the two of us cooking, we know food will always be taken care of. But um, your house is a sanctuary for me and for my husband and for all of your grandkids. And so I know this is a really scary time and it's just great that we're here and we're here together. So it is. I'm glad and you're and, here, Dad. And you know, we ought to stop for a minute and, you know, kind of say a silent prayer for those that are affected and uh, family members and all the problems that go along with it. and. And, uh, All the people that are on the front lines taking care right, of people I right mean, now, the hospitals and people that are out of their jobs. I mean, this really is kind of a crazy and uncertain and unpredictable time. So, Dad, what does faith and believe in God mean to you and look like in your life? It is a feeling, uh, a comfort um, that... Uh, if you believe uh, in John 3.16, for example, the, the verse, uh, and you believe that, you know, God sent His Son, and, and if you believe in them, you're going to have everlasting life, um, you know, that's what I center my faith on. Uh, and so, you know, I think that's a good starting point in regards to what the Christian faith is all about, because... Uh, what you've got to do is truly believe, accept Him, accept Jesus, uh, and believe that you can be saved. And so, you know, that's what the Christian faith is all about. So, you know, then, we, then you get into the issues of why do bad things happen to good people? Why are we having this pandemic? Right? <clears throat> and, and the other things, and, and you know, I, I, it doesn't make me feel any better about why bad things happen to good people, but I think that the central thing with uh, the Christian faith for me is, is that if I believe that God sent His Son, and I believe in the Son, that I'm gonna have everlasting life. And so what the Christian faith offers for me is everlasting life. Now, on earth, it offers me a safe harbor in that I can be prayerful and ask God to help me. Uh, but, you know, I understand that, you know, sometimes my prayers will be answered and sometimes they won't. And so you've got that, you know, little K 
caveat there that it's you know you pray and say if it's if it's in your will for it to be done mm -hmm. uh, and so um, you know that might be a simplistic view of it but, no, but, but when but, I but, think of you dad like I think of you as your faith is in actions like um, I mean most people that look at you they think of you as being this like fierce you know like warrior slaying dragons I mean, I know right now you're doing the opioid case and you're taking on the pharmaceutical companies in a big, powerful way. And so most people think of you as this really, just this force. Um, but when I think of you, I think of you and in, in you do these little acts of kindness all the time that usually people don't see and you do not need recognition for, um, nor do you look, at rec look for recognition for it. And that, that like has been such a domino effect in my life because I know, like your, my entire childhood, I knew you were behind the scenes doing kindnesses for other people. And so for me, that, that is what faith looked like for me. So it was less about, you know, yes, I have been divinity school trained. It's less about theology and it's more about the condition of one's heart and what they're doing in the world. And for me, I mean, I know you can be, you know, a badass in the courtroom, but you also, um, you have such a compassionate heart, and I know that that has been a ripple effect on all of us, my sisters. And well, I try to like keep okay. it going with my own kids. It's that idea of you do kindnesses without anyone knowing. Okay, well, you know, sh you shouldn't ask for anything in return for doing kindnesses. Well, come on, but, but in but, the world but, we live in, yeah, Dad, but, it's like face. Okay. Everybody wants to everybody to know about everything they're doing, right? I, you're I not really into I that. Um, I know you're okay, not on Instagram. Okay. All right, so, so what I would say to you is this. Um, I thought I was a force in your life when you were growing up. Uh, and I think I'm still a force in your life today. Uh, but, and, and, I, and I am an advocate for our, my clients. Uh, and I, at times, worry about live by the sword, by, die by the sword, sort of. But I am only a man. Uh, that was put on this earth, uh, and I will leave as only a man that was put on this earth. And so what you have to do is you kind of have to put a lot of things in perspective. Uh, and so, you know, when I, when I came up uh, and people think that I was born with a silver spoon in my mouth, you know, my father was in the restaurant business and the spoon was plastic. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't silver. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to try to um, get a good education, uh, pick a career that I thought would be appropriate for me, never wanting to be a lawyer necessarily, uh, and um, raise a family, uh, set a good example, realizing that we all, you know, are sinners and come short of the glory of God every day. Uh, and so, you know, I had a mother that mentored me in, uh, in my religious beliefs. I mean, every time the door was open, we were at a Baptist church in South <laughs> Carolina. I had a father that had a, a strong faith, and so our business was never open on Sunday. But I had a father that also mentored me in, in, in regards to, you know, my discipline. And then even though I didn't want to go into the Army, it was probably the best thing that happened to me because it uh, matured me to the point that I realized at uh, an early age that there was ex responsibility that needed to be accepted with adulthood mm -hmm. and that everything wasn't wonderful. Uh, and then I had a unique experience with an African-American uh, man that... that um, worked in our business that took me to school and my brothers when we were younger. Uh, and he uh, taught me to be colorblind. And so in the 60s and 64, I didn't look at the black and white uh, situation the way some people did. Uh, those people had been um, friends, employees, like family. Family, yeah. And yeah. so in our business, you know, uh, when we sold it 20 years ago, um, um, you know, we had third generation people that were there. 
uh, and we were uh, we were uh, concerned about uh, our employees and their children having education and health care and driver's license and and uh, food on the table and you know some of the things and so that that our country's made of and so you know I'm not World War II vintage like my father uh, but I am um, American dream vintage and so you know the only thing I want for uh, you, um, my 24 grandchildren, my five other daughters and five other son-in-laws. You know, I want you to be happy. I want you to be safe. I want you to accept responsibility. I want you to give back. Well, that's and what see, it is, Dad. Okay, it's okay, the giving okay, back. Okay. But that's in the fabric of who you are, which I, I feel like is in the fabric of, I mean, when we talk about spiritual faith, for me, it's like, uh, you know, words do not hold as much as actions do. Like, I just feel like, you know, it, we're meant to love. And so we're supposed to be out there, you know, giving it and okay. helping people. Right. And okay. I feel like with you, when I was a kid, you know, that's one of the biggest things is you taught me never to look at color of the skin, education, finances, gender, none of that. It was always look for the person. And that has served me in incredibly well in, in ministry, but also in raising children, is you always look at the person. Well, did Jesus look at the color? No, well, that's no. the thing. And, and did, he look at, did he look at well, you know, where their standing was in the community or no. anything else? No. No, so what, what, what I'm saying is sometimes um, you need you know, you need to practice as if you're in church every day with your life. And listen, okay, listen, I'm going to tell you something. That's, That'll preach, Dad. Okay, okay but I'm going to tell you, <laughs> that is something that I have much difficulty about. And so I, I don't want to give anybody an impression, impression that, I, that I am perfect or anything else because, number one... Oh, we uh, know you got okay, that temper. No, I, you know, I've got... I, 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 expect, uh, I expect excellence because that's what I expect from myself, and I won't ask you to do any more than I'll do. Okay? No, it's your daughters. No, no, no. No, and get... anybody I'm around. No, but I would say, I mean, I'm just trying to think of, you know, you know, looking at the blueprint that you and mom um, laid out for us as a team, you know, the sense of how important family is, like family's the most important. and. It does in a world that feels very topsy-turvy and uncertain and unpredictable, and especially in our family life. I mean, we've had a lot of, um, you know, stressors and difficulties, you know, from your first grandchild having cancer to two of your daughters on September 11th to daughters having miscarriages to, you know, grandchildren stuff. I mean, there's just, there's been stuff, and, and I feel like you've taught us that, you know, family is your touchstone. And um, that God and praying and um, being right in that way is important. Um, being generous. Okay. You well, are like the most generous person I know, Dad. You were the first person to be at a dinner table. Um, is somewhere you're the first person to be the, the most generous my, one in the room. Okay, my father, and listen, it's not necessarily just the dinner table, but, you know, I grew up where my father was a local kind of um, philanthropist. And so he would, um, because he came up with, with, you know, in really hard times without much money at all and, and kind of was a self-made man after World War II, but... but He was super generous. But, but yeah. you, listen, you can't outgive God. Uh, and so you do it in, in a good spirit and you're trying to help your fellow man and you mm -hmm. won't miss it. And mm -hmm. so that's just something that we're called upon. But let's go back to the family for just a minute. I've got six daughters. And we've argued over everything as to whose bra it was, as to, <laughs> you know, whose boyfriend it was. And so, and, 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 you know, you as adults, as sisters, still at times have trials and tribulations over opinions. And I raised y'all to be independent women 
that could make a difference in society, and I would say that all of you have done that. Uh, and as a result of that, you know, we're a family, but you know, we have our tiffs. And yeah, but we, we, you know what? So maybe we'll fight over clothes and keep our trunks of our clothes in the car, or all those little things we used to do when we were teenagers. But ultimately, what you've taught us is you show up for your family. Yes. But let's go back to fear for just a minute. Okay. Okay. Um, the most fearful I've ever been was on Christmas Eve when I called my friend who was a local pediatrician, Dr. Barry. And Charlie, our first grandson, who was six, what, 90 days old, three, three or four months old, you know, had these lumps on his arm. Old. Yeah, mm -hmm. 12 weeks old. Christmas Eve, mm -hmm. and we went down to his house, mm -hmm. okay? And then we got the ultimate diagnosis that Charlie had neuroblastoma cancer, okay? And... I knew that, you were afraid, Dad. Okay, I knew okay, you were. That, but. Listen, that rocked my world, okay? So I, I want to let you know that that was a... That was a moment in my life where I questioned my faith. I questioned God. I questioned Jesus. I, I questioned everybody. And I was really very angry about it. And um, angry, not, not angry from the standpoint of, you know, this shouldn't happen to me. It ought to happen to somebody else. But just angry from the standpoint of... Um, how, how does a baby in the world that's only, you know, 12 weeks old, my first grandchild, have this mm -hmm. terrible diagnosis? And then so, then we went to Greenville, and then we went to Sloan Kettering. And let me continue my fear. When we went to Sloan Kettering, and I went for the first time, and we went into a room where distraught parents and grandparents and family and friends were around and young children were hooked up to IVs of chemotherapy and everybody was there was saying a prayer and asking for, you know, a healing, a miracle, mm -hmm. okay? And I thought, gosh, everybody's not going to get that. And so, well, you know, we're probably not going to get that. And then I've never told anybody this, but so this is, uh, and so I, I said to God, I said, listen, I, I've lived a good life. Um, take me and, and spare Charlie. Just, just take me. I mean, I was really, that, that really kind of rocked my world. I know it rocked your world. I know it rocked our family's world. But, but anyway, so as we go through that process and we do get the miracle, okay, then, you know, I applaud you uh, and I admire you because then you went back to the Divinity School and then you have a place in the natural community where you are going to see the sick and the bereaved and things like that. And so... You know, I, I, when, I, when I see that with you, it inspires me to do more than I've ever done. I am so proud of you, and I, and I appreciate the blessing uh, and, uh, that you do for others. So, well, so, Dad, with that said, like, so <clears throat> when people's faith is rocked, right, when it, when it is rocked to the core, and you really do start asking those questions and you are angry, I mean, how would you say, how did you put it back together, though? Like, what is your, how did your faith evolve through such a suffering and tragedy? My mother and my experience um, made me recognize, remember, and be reassured that that's where I needed to be. And if I put my if I put myself back there and quit, doubt, quit doubting God's will, see, that's where it gets into the God's will thing. See, a lot of things that happen, I don't, you know, I, it's easy for me to say, well, it's in God's will. It might be, might not be. I don't know. I hadn't asked him Well, lately. if you want to get into some theology, Dad, but, we but, can but, get but, into but some it, theology. But, but anyway, so, but what, <clears throat> what I would say is, is, um, you know, you just, um, you just kind of go back to where your foundation was. And so... Let's shift to family for just a minute. 
every Sunday night, I required everybody to be at home, you know, to have a, a meal together. Mm-hmm. And then, you know. We Which could, you cooked. Okay, well, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, but it wasn't just because I cooked it, I required them to be there. But it was an opportunity for everybody to get back together, hit home base, and then get ready for the new week. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, we were all around. And so right now, you know, when y'all, I mean, you would bring people in. I would never know how many was coming on Sunday. I mean, you'd be friend, you'd say, well, we got to go to have dinner with my father. And so we, you did. And I you know the more, t- more chairs at a table, the better, Doug. Yeah, that's what they say. That's what they say. Okay. So, Luckily, you always fix more. You feed like an army. Well, that's because right? I've been in the food business. Yes, okay. well, you do. Okay. You feel right. an army. All right. Okay, tell me this, Dad. Okay, so for most people, you know, to have six children sounds like the biggest, craziest thing you could ever do in your life. And I'm sitting here trying to raise six children right now, and it feels like the biggest, crazy, wildest ride of my life. What What would you say, how did you manage raising six children? And what were the most important things to you when it came to trying to raise us to be as good as we could be in the world? Well, you know, I... Um, like, one, I, looking back down, now that we're both, you know contemporaries in the sense that we're both raising six children. I mean, were there times where you were like, when you were 45 years old, where you thought, holy moly, I have these six people that I have to raise. What do I do? Farrell, see, that's, okay, okay. <laughs> Give me some wisdom, Dad. Okay, no, I didn't do that. Because okay. that would have been what I would consider to be negative vibes. Oh, good, negative okay. vibes, okay. okay. And so. I am a positive vibe person as much as I can be. Okay. Okay. Uh, that doesn't mean I, I'm not critical of people that I don't think that meet my expectations. But I am, I am a positive vibe. I believe if you will stay positive and be strategic and, and develop a plan and persevere, you can get through it. You are such a one on the Enneagram. I mean, you are. But go ahead. Okay, Keep going. So, so, you should look no, that up. No, I, 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 no, I didn't look at it and say, oh, woe with me. You know, we got six children. Okay. Uh, I didn't say, woe with me. No, I, I think you loved oh, no, it, listen. Dad. Okay. I didn't say we got three in college. How am I going to pay for it? I didn't say, you know, we got six weddings. How am I going to pay for it? Uh, I didn't say, you know, this, that, and the other. But listen. You just um, took it in stride. Okay. Hey, listen, because listen. You were like the okay. perfect it's, dad for girls. Okay, no. I can't I, imagine I, if you'd I, had no, boys. No, I don't know if I was the perfect dad Other or than not, I think you but, raised us but, like boys. But, but let, me, let me say this. You take it in stride because you love your family and you want to get them to a point that you can say, I've done everything I can do for you. I'm always here for you. But, and, but you know, I'm not going to be an easy crutch. Uh, uh, an easy person to say, I need this, uh, which I pretty am a pretty pushover, but, 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 and then, but try to put you, try to put you in a position where you can under, listen, if you see responsibility and if you see parents that meet some standard, I'm not saying excellent parents, your mother was an excellent mother. I was an okay daddy. All right, dad. I really want, you have 24, you have six daughters and you have 24 grandchildren. That's like superhuman crazy. You have all of these people and you are, you know, our superhero, head of our family. What are some tips that you can give that you think are important when we're raising our own children and your grandchildren? Well, number one, your mother's the superhero. I'm just the head of the family. She's the superhero, yes. Number two, listen. Okay, what do you mean? Listen to the kids? No, or listen, listen to your daddy oh, tell you what you okay. need to do. <laughs> That's good, Dad. Okay, okay. No, okay. we'll okay. listen okay. to you. Okay. So, okay. so tell okay. us, Dad, okay. what should we do? Okay. Give me a blueprint. Well. I'm going to post them on the refrigerator okay. door, your top ten list. Okay, number one, uh, I think that, you know, you need to be concerned about their education. Okay. Um, everybody's not going to be an all-A student. Uh, Some of the people uh, mature at different periods of time, and so you might have somebody that's a C plus, B minus, uh, that at some point is going to be, you know, CEO CEO or head of, you know, minister of some church or 
foundation. Oh, I think straight A's. Okay, but 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 well, yeah. Okay. I, <laughs> Except but, in but geometry we're not talking about and chemistry. You. We're talking about the rules. When you showed so up at get, my chemistry teacher's okay, door. Okay. Yeah. So let's keep go going. Back. Okay. So number one, I think you need to be concerned about their education. I think number two, you need to be concerned about who they associate with. Yes, I think okay. that's super. Now All with right. teenagers, that's okay. super important. Listen, birds of a feather flock together. Okay. So you need to be aware of who they associate with. Who their friends okay. are. Number okay. three, they need to go uh, and participate in a you know some Christian church, and so they need to experience Sunday school. Uh, they need to sing the songs. They need to know the Bible verses. To have a foundation. Yeah, a foundation. So I mean, they're going to develop their okay. own faith. Because that's what you say. Okay. Everybody's faith is their own faith. Okay. But I do think there's something important about laying a foundation. Uh, and so, but I do, I do think that, you know, that they need to understand the Bible and the books of the Bible and the Old Testament, and the New Testament, and, you know, all of that. But that, that will come through church. Okay, what else? Uh, I think that the family ought to do family things together. Mm -hmm. uh, I think they ought to have family vacations. I think they ought to have some family time each week. I think they need to talk face-to-face, -face, not over the phone or texting about what's going on in their lives and what's going on in their parents' lives. Okay. And I think if you build a family unit and the families involved, and whether you have support or not, but but if you if it's just a all around running a little business of call family, okay. the business the of business family, the business of family, and and, <clears throat> and you need to be sure you know that you everybody's know, taking everybody's care everybody's taking care of, of health wise, you know the whole deal. Well, so what are some things, Dad? Like some, what are some, you know, integrity, honesty. Do not lie, cheat, or steal. I'm trying to think of the things okay, that when well, I grew up okay, at. Okay. You know, take care of your siblings. Um, give back, participate in church, um, well, I think, love people. Okay, well, I think that if, they, if you as a parent show them a moral situation, if you show them a caring situation, if you show them a, a Christian situation and they think that that is the norm, and the model, then they're going to do it the next generation. But right. what we're having now is we're having people and young people that skip because they don't have that and they, they don't have it in their generation and, and unless they get it down the road, that's where we have the problems. Right. So, I mean, they need to be honest. Sure, they need to be honest. Uh, they need to be honest with you and they need to be honest with themselves. Um, not being truthful is something that I didn't, you know, you know, I, I'd rather you tell me I'd rather you just tell me what's going on rather than not tell me the truth. Well, I do think when we were growing up, not telling the truth, that was worse than, you know, because I always anything found else. Out it's anyway. like, I know. Well, I, like I can remember the time where I got caught speeding um, coming home from um, high school. And I told the, the cop, he was like, um, police, I said, officer. police officer. Um, I just said, see, you know, my dad, is, my dad is John White. Can you please just let me go on this because you know he's going to be much worse than you will be. So can you just, can you just let this one slide and, and, and give me a little grace on this one? And he was like, you know what? I know who your dad is. I'm going to give you some grace today. And so we came home and we're all sitting around the table <laughs> and everybody's almost finished with their meal. And I was thinking on the inside, I, I might get through this one. Like this one, I might actually not have to. And, and then you said, uh, Farrell, did you meet a a Mr. I can't remember his name now, and it was, you know, he had obviously called you, caught, got to tell the truth. Well, so dad, what would you say now? I mean, in this generation of parenting, you know, my generation is faulted for being helicopter parents, that we're just quickly running around to do everything for our kids, and we don't want them to skin their knees, and, and we want everything perfect for them, to lay out the yellow brick road for them. And I feel like, you know, I'm looking back at my childhood, and that that wasn't it actually. Like you were, you know, even looking back at like even tennis, you know, I was a big tennis player and you know, the, the losses in your mind were as important as the wins. We love to win, but the losses were important. Like you, you wanted us to, 
hit up against a little bit of um, adversity okay. so that we would be resilient I, I, and strong. I, 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 think it's, I think it's real, I think it's unrealistic for children to be raised thinking everything's perfect and everything's wonderful. And everything's gonna go their way. And, and so I think it's important that they have challenges, um, you know, some failures and some success. Um, you know, I, I told somebody the other day, it was a young lawyer, uh, he, sa he said, uh, tell me what you've learned from your most important cases. And I said, I haven't learned anything hardly. And he said, what do you mean? I said, listen, I've learned everything from the ones I've lost to make me have a better situation. So, you know, people, parents, you know, I, I, I've got, I, if you look at, my daughters and, and my sons-in-law right now, I have different parenting practices within the six of them, and they were raised by the same parents. Um, this quote from you two weeks ago um, with Finn, who's my four-year-old, you're, you're like, and so when are you going to start parenting him? Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. And the, the reason I say that is... That's his number six, Dad. Okay, I'm okay, working, okay, I promise. Okay, but, I, but what I'm saying is, is you know, um, uh, consistency... Okay. Yes. Give us some parenting okay, okay. tips, Dad. Right, so, Consistency. All right. You know, develop the rules early on. Okay. Um, modify them if necessary. You need to be flexible, but try to have some consistency. No, I think consistency yeah. is good so, with kids. I mean, I think that they need to have some sort of boundaries. But, but you also have got to let them spread their wings and fly sometimes. So how would you handle it when something didn't go well or we lost or we suffered? When y'all had problems or what you considered to be catastrophic failures, whether it be academic, social, or otherwise, uh, we try to have a conversation about it. Uh, and, 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 and learn from that and realize that there's always a new day. See, the nice thing about life and the nice thing about being a Christian, you get a new day every day. I mean, every, I mean if God gives you the blessing mm -hmm. to be able to wake up in the morning, mm -hmm. you can start it all over. It's like a new book. Yeah. And so do you do you, that, Dan? You see it. Fairly, I get a new day. Fairly, fairly my life. <laughs> you know, I do some things one day. I sleep on it. I get up the next day uh, and I say, all right, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go to that person. and I'm going to say, listen, I was wrong. And they're going to look at me and say, you're telling me you were wrong. And I'm going to say, yes, I was wrong. Because what you've got to do is you've got to be big enough mature enough uh, to say you're wrong and everybody makes mistakes. We're all human. Mm -hmm. Okay, we are, we're all, listen, there, there, there's only been one person. Do you perfect actively person. do that, Dad? Yes. Where you say, I, I was no, wrong. No, because listen. So in your work life, family life. Okay. Because I, I think a okay. lot of people right. hold it and pride will keep okay. you from okay. saying okay. I'm well, wrong. Okay, well listen, those are the people that have a real problem in my opinion. Yeah, because it eats you okay. alive because, from inside out. There's nothing wrong with saying you're sorry. There's nothing wrong with saying I made a mistake. There's nothing wrong with saying, listen, you caught me at a bad time. Mm -hmm. And as a result- A weak moment. A weak moment and I am sorry. I'm here to listen to you now. And that's what I've been able to do better as I've matured than I did as a young adult. And I'm gonna tell you, if there's one lesson to be learned as a parent, uh, as a person, as a Christian, uh, as a member of the communities, don't burn bridges. We do, in, a, in, a, in the trajectory of a life, we have moments where we experience defeat and we lose and we flat out are out, done, you know, and that happened to you. Like you went, you ran for the Senate and yes, all of us came home. Grandchildren, your daughters, we all were like, hitting the pavement, knocking on doors for you because we believe in you and because you would have made an incredible senator for South Carolina, um, but you lost. Yep. Um, so 
you just said, you know, every day is a new day. But when you do suffer a loss, I mean, not only does it hit your pride, but you you wanted to win, and you wanted to win because you wanted to do good things for our state. How do you how do you bounce back, Dad, when you have defeat? Because like in the ministry, you know, like right now on my hand, I mean, I have you know someone that's lost their job. I have someone that's lost their spouse. I've had someone that's in a terrible divorce and is going to raise kids by themselves. I mean, life like gives you some serious defeats. How do we bounce back? Well. I ran for the Senate because uh, I think we have, I think we have uh, some great elected officials, and I think we have some mediocre elected officials. And I ran for the Senate because uh, number one, you wanted uh, to give I, back. I, I thought I thought it would give me an opportunity to give back uh, in a district that that needs some things, and that is some you know educational issues and. Uh, and other issues that I think that are important because you know it all starts with education, the family unit, what kind of support, and, and the money being used in the right places. And you know I'm a physical conservative, and so uh, you know, and so I ran. So you know it was you know when you run uh, and they're you know 25 or 26 thousand votes and you split it and you lose by 300 votes. You know, it that mean, was a killer. Okay, well, so Dad, how do you bounce back from it? How, okay, step by step. Okay, so okay. that's the okay. honest answer. That's, okay, I agree, Dad. Okay. okay, listen. I mean, you you bounce back step by step, mm -hmm. uh, and one foot in front of the one other. One foot in front of the other, and you and you always have it in the back of your mind, mm -hmm. uh, and you always think, well, if I'd done this, would it have been better? Uh, and you always think, well, maybe I'll do it again. Yeah, but, but do you believe you, but, in? But, do but, you but, believe though? You know, do you believe in redemption? I mean, do you feel like that if you do put one step foot in front of the other, things do ha have they they fall into place the way they're supposed to be? The puzzle pieces. Okay, if you if you have a unfortunate situation that you feel like you've been dealt a loss, okay. Mm -hmm. And this is where faith comes in. Anytime a door is closed, at some point, it might be today, it might be three years from now, it might be five years from now, another door will be open. Preach, Dad. That's good. No, but, but listen. Another door will be no, open. People need to hear that, okay. though. Another day will be open, and it may not be tomorrow, and it might not be three weeks from now. And, and to my friend who's going through a divorce right now, it might not even be two years from now. But a door will open. Okay, but, a new path will be okay, open to right, you. God right, promises yeah. that. But, but you know. Because you're taking on the world now. Like you've got so much bigger things happening now that dad actually would not have happened for you if you've won the election. Well, that's. So it just okay, shows you that. Just, okay. But, you know, after that. Sometimes things you, know, you my, have to lose yeah, to win. Uh, yeah. Right. And so I got, you know, after that, some things have happened. In regards to that, I've allowed you, know, you to help more people, probably, right, right, right? and right, do bigger things. Right. Dad, do you have a mantra or a slogan you tell yourself every day? I mean, I think you kind of said that okay. this idea that no, every day is a I, new I, day. I mean, okay, uh, you know, when I was in the army, we had slogans, you know, depending on the unit you were in. But, but no, I don't. I just have an attitude. And what's your so, attitude? Well, I try to have a positive attitude. Okay. I mean, so do you have a positive view of our world? I, I just a, wrote a I just wrote a piece that's going to go out next week, and I quoted from a, a poet Yeats who has a really just despairing view of the world. All right, let me. And I feel like you right. don't. You have a very. You know, I had I had an opportunity to be on the board of trustees at Walford College in Spartanburg, where I graduated from an undergraduate, and uh, and I went to a lot of uh, uh, student events, graduations, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And listen, am I positive on the world? Yes, I think I think it's I think the youth today have a better opportunity of making this a better world than any generation that I've seen. So, so yeah. you're hopeful about the world. Oh yes, I'm hopeful. Even in the midst of us being in coronavirus, you know, hysteria, you still are super hopeful about the world. Listen, 
things are going to pass until the ending end of time. Okay. okay? Yeah. This and too so, shall pass. And so, yes. and so unless the coronavirus is the end of time, which I'm not saying it is, not saying it isn't, <laughs> nobody's confirmed, things are going to pass. The rose is going to bloom again tomorrow. Okay. And, and, and yes, I'm hopeful. If I wasn't hopeful, you'd, everybody, you'd run around and everybody would be depressed. I will say this. Um, um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm human, so it's not like I jump up every morning uh, like a friend of ours. Um, no, but Dad, that's you know, one of the questions I was going to ask you because okay. you are not 70 yet, but you're going to be 70 in June, and you are working harder than you've ever worked in your life. I mean, like I said, you're slaying dragons right now. Well, how do you get your energy? Because of the opportunity. So you just are so excited about I possibilities. Tell the young, listen, I tell the young lawyers in our firm um, that are all wonderful people, I, we've worked to get to the point we're at now. We're, get, we're playing in the Super Bowl. So, you know, why enjoy it. So you're excited about life. I'm excited. Sure, about I'm possibilities. Okay. And look, you're not slowing down. Listen, Farrell, I'm excited to be uh, alive. I'm excited to be where I am. I'm excited about my 24 grandchildren. I'm excited about the future. Uh, and the reason it is is because I'm going to pay the price and I'm going to do what's necessary you're to gonna make work it hard. all happy. Yeah. Okay. Well, so no, but Dad, I think that's important because, you know, one of one of the traits that you've kind of instilled in me is hard work. So I'm very disciplined, and I, you, you know, you always said, you give 110 percent, and after that, whatever happens, happens. Like, prepare. Um, like you keep saying the word strategic because I know you. You you do the work. Like you haven't slowed down on that at all. It's the importance of discipline and doing the work. Um, Listen, anything that's worthwhile, whether it be parenting or your vocation or your marriage or your, or faith. your faith, takes work. Mm -hmm. okay. And you're not afraid to do the work. And, and the other thing, uh, yes, no, I'm not afraid to do the work. No. Um, uh, I, I, I look for the opportunity to do the work. Well, it's interesting, Dad, because I um, was speaking to a friend, someone that I consider a mentor, and she said to me, because she knows I'm a hard worker, and she just said, you know, just be careful that you're not always doing the work and you don't leave space for God to give you grace. So I know that you, um, you know, talking about your faith, you know, church was always very important when we were growing up. And I know, you know, Mimi, my grandmother, your mother, the Bible and the scripture were, were super important. But I also know that, like, you pray, right? Right. So when you drive to work, because you have to drive 30 minutes into town every day and 30 minutes back, and you've told me that that's when you pray. Right. And so you just go through your list and you pray for every single one of us and our, your grandchildren and people that you work with and mom and... Your dogs, I don't know. What do you I pray? Do. Well, I, I know. Talk to me no, about your prayer life. Okay. Well, I have a comprehensive standard prayer on the way in. Okay. Uh, wh where I hit um, um, my family and friends and loved ones and the country and uh, a case that I might be getting ready to do. I always say, I mean, and people, the people that might say, Really, I do. I mean, I say a prayer uh, when, I'm doing, when I'm when doing, doing a case work. where, I, you know, I'll well, say, you know, lives. help yeah. me do, the best be job. the best I can and let your will be done. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you a funny story about that in just a minute. But so I, I do that. And um, and then I then I then I revert to the special prayers like uh, my friend Wayne Jackson's mother is not doing well and she's a hospice. And so I say a prayer for her. Uh, I say prayers for my staff and their family members. Uh, I try to write a note for every family member of staff that I have that, you know, have illnesses or, uh, or pass away. You have to write notes. I think that is something, okay, Dad, listen. that people should know. You know, that's something that you have always done is you, you write notes to people. Okay. Do you and, know how meaningful that is? Well, when I don't people know. get a note, I know when I'm at church and, you know, I've 
you know, gone and seen someone at the hospital or, you know, it's just any kind of connection I've had with someone. And then I, a note arrives in the mail to me. It means so much. Well, you know, I, I think that... You I, touch people. Okay. And that's, that. okay, that's where I am for being advanced in social media and all those things. Uh, but you got to also mix that with the old-fashioned relationships. Right. And so person to person. when we can shake each other's hands or we can hug each other or things like that, uh, that that's so that's so much more important than sending a cold email. And so a note does have more of a personal effect. Mm -hmm. I write my notes out and I send them. I try to write where people can read my writing. Okay, <laughs> let's talk about this, this funny lady. Um, when I first started practicing law, um, and I had a big case, I represented this Mrs. Page, and they were widening the road, and it was going to take her business, and she had a little country filling station. Filling station was a gas station, little mm -hmm. small little grocery store. She was a delightful person, but and so we tried her case, uh, tried it against a lawyer who was one of the mentors for me. He's passed away now. His name is Sam Means, but uh, and we got the case and. We went out in the lobby afterwards, and um, and I said, uh, Mrs. Page, it's in his hands. And she looked at me, and she said, I wish he had been representing me today instead of you. <laughs> so, uh, so, you know. Meeting God instead yeah, of you. Yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. So, okay, okay, that's right, funny, Dad. Right, right. No, but do you believe in prayer? Yes. And say in prayers yes. and trust in God. Yes. I think, listen, prayer, listen. If I hadn't called you in six months and talked to you, and you remember, I used to try to talk to all my girls every day. I just haven't been able to do that now. Y'all don't answer the phone. But if you answer the <laughs> you phone. You have to text us, Dad. No, I know. And that bugs me because oh. I, okay, but listen, y'all need to answer the phone. Your daddy would call you. I and do call. To you. I answer the phone okay, when you but, call. No, but you, when you call, you, you say, what are you doing? Okay, but well, that's an interesting <laughs> thing. Farrell, what are you doing? Okay. Well, then that... But, and then your response when I call you, your first thing you say is, what do you need? Okay. <laughs> well, that's okay. Which is good. Okay. All right. But prayer. Um, if I hadn't called you for six months and I called you, wouldn't you feel a little funny? Yeah, don't you so think God feels a little funny if you don't call him in six months? Mm -hmm. I, think a, I think a healthy, you know, prayer, uh, daily prayer... Is just touching home base and and turning things over and expressing your anxieties and fears and then taking that walk of faith. So a prayer for me during the day is for me to you know take that step, mm -hmm. uh, ask prayerfully what I would like, and then turning it over. And but I don't want people to think you know I'm I'm naive or I'm ignorant. Uh, but if you believe in God, uh, if you believe that He is listening, if you believe that if it's in His will, the prayers will be answered. Well, well and also, Dad, you have to trust in what God's ultimate well, will is. Yes, that's right. I so, think that's the problem, though, is I think that, you know, you know, the ultimate will for God is what I believe is for ultimate goodness and love and redemption and that that is that is the grand finale that is the end of every single story yeah well, so you just have to trust yeah that's when we get into that theolo theological stuff about sin and evil and good and all no, that no we're not going theolo right, theology theology so, today so, but, but, but listen, i do believe okay, that god I do has think a bigger god plan is for good but i i don't think that all of our prayers will be answered the way we want to but and i you're do at peace but with i that. do think you need well, but the ultimate will of God will be answered, and we have to trust that that will be in our best okay. interest. Yes, and and, and then good. and then something will. My hope is for everyone is that if it's not answered, if you have a stra a, a, a tragedy, you know, take that next step. Don't give up. You well, know, it's funny because Clay, um, you know, my boss and minister. Um, he said the other day, "Lord, help us. What if all of our prayers were answered?" 
Like the idea that some of the things that we've asked for in prayer, like thank the Lord God didn't answer that, you know, that that something. I mean, in some ways. Yeah, but your prayer life, I think, is something that's personal to you. I think Mm -hmm. one size doesn't fit all. Uh, You know, your mother likes to have prayers in the morning. She likes to read the Bible in the morning. Uh, You know, I'm out doing other things. Okay, I'm trying to, the girls all, all the sisters, they all had questions for you, you know, of of what they wanted to ask. Okay, so um, Harrison asked, what was your biggest failure that turned into your greatest life lesson? I think any failures uh, for me, because I hold myself to a high standard, is one of my biggest failures. And all of them, as I told you before, turn into life lessons because I learn more from cases that I lose or situations that I that get outside my control than the ones that I uh, are, that are I'm successful on. Okay, let's see. Um, I think one of the things that I've struggled with in my own life, especially in adulthood now, is handling change. How do you handle change? Okay, if you can't handle change, you're in the wrong game. Oh, it's true, because that's how God works, through change. But but listen, you've got to handle change. Okay, well, how do I handle change better? Relax. Okay, relax. relax. Okay, Okay. listen. Take it in stride. Listen, change is inevitable. Change is inevitable. So be flexible, be nimble, be strategic. And adapt. And adapt. Adapt. Okay. Okay. All right. Have there been any big changes in your life that you were like, whoa, this is hard? Was it a big change when all of us left the house? No. <laughs> you were like, so break it. <laughs> no, no, come on. Listen, no, let me tell you. All, as far as <laughs> no, I'm concerned, we you, come home. You, you never, you've never, I know. you're never, I mean, yeah, but that, that, we're, we, you... we're delighted to have y'all here. Uh, and y'all come so often and the grandchildren like it and so we love it. So I think that's, that is kudos to y'all because y'all have created uh, a home base that all of us, if we, if we have a free weekend, we're all coming here. Okay, but well, let me ask you this. Yes. Okay. You enjoyed doing things with your grandparents, didn't you? Yeah. Okay. Well, your children enjoy doing things with me. Yeah, of course that. They okay. love you. Are you okay. kidding? Okay, but Finn's so... Finn's been talking about... So that's that whole family. Family is just not one... Family's just not one generation. No, it is. Okay, family... Okay. okay. Okay, so what are the most important things that you want your grandchildren to know about you and for you to be remembered about? I, I hope, in most respects, that I've been a good role model. Okay. But you know I'm not the normal grandfather in that I didn't want to be called, and there's nothing wrong with it, Papa or, you know, whatever. And I wanted to be called Duke. Yeah, you're Duke. Okay, because, you know, uh, John Wayne and his movies were something I grew up with, okay? And so I thought that was, I thought that, that's that's the only tad egotistical thing about me. But I thought (laughs) they ought to call me Duke, okay? So... Modern day John Wayne. Okay, so I think that they ought to remember me by um, who I am, the relationship they had with me, the relationship that they will have with their grandchildren as a result of the relationship that they've had with me and your mother. Um, I think they'll look at me and say, you know, he works hard, but he plays hard. Oh, we're I, getting ready to talk about playing hard. Okay, but I think they'll, they'll look at me and say, um, I think they'll look at me and say, he had a balanced life. He smelled the roses. And so the trick to all of that has been time management. And so what I tried to do with, with y'all and I, what I try to do with them, like uh, they're going to be here tomorrow afternoon before I have to go to Columbia, but on Tuesday, but um, I'm gonna try to be here early tomorrow afternoon. Uh, and I'm gonna try to- Spending time with spend them. time with them, yeah, yeah, talking to them. Okay, so dad, then what, if you had to give a, um, this is one of MC's questions, can you give a valuable lesson or a word of wisdom to your 24 grandchildren on how to live the fullest life possible? 
be true to your God, be true to yourself, and be true to the people you're around uh, and believe that you can make a difference in your life that will affect you, your family, and the people around you. And even the larger world. Yes. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Okay, um, so so you, pl you work hard, but boy, can you play hard too. You love fun. I do. You love celebration. I do. You love a party. I do. All of those things, Dad. And so, you I know, do. I feel like, you know, when people ask me, so like, why do you love food so much? And why do you love preparing it and setting the table? It's because that is how I was raised. I mean, you love cooking. You love more than cooking. You love the presentation of the food. Um, you love watching people eating your food. That like fills you up with joy. Right, right. So, so what is that? I mean, is that just, I mean, that is one of your greatest loves. Well. <clears throat> like the table is so important at well, our house. Well, okay, the but it, the, ta the table is important for your mother. Um, I'm not as sophisticated as she is. In, I mean, and listen, we're not a. We're, we're, we won't have any misunderstanding about this. We're not a white tablecloth family. No, gosh, no. Okay. No, no, okay. no. We but, love, but, but yeah. But we're, we're a little above the plastic right now, too. <laughs> Unless but, all 24 grandchildren okay. are here. What, what, you know, your mother acts as kind of the sous chef and helps me get things ready. And then for me to come home uh, and to cook um, and, and to talk to her and look at the news uh, is kind of my... Uh, sanctuary mm -hmm. so um i don't i mean i, I grew up I, you, you cooked know, every I, sunday night okay. my entire childhood right we and, had the and same i'm thing. not a gore we had the same thing what no we did yes we did dad we had steak a baked potato with sour cream butter and cheese and sometimes you would put canned asparagus on the plate or broccoli and then no, and then cut up fruit okay well, what's wrong, I love with, it. what's wrong with that? No, we had it for dinner last night. Okay. I love it. Okay. I love it. Well, okay, well, let's talk about food. Like, so what? what's your, like, perfect favorite meal? I have a, you know, I, um, I like, like, I like to do a rack of lamb. Rack that of I lamb. Do. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you do that well. Okay. Okay. Uh, I, um, I like a salmon dish I do. Yes, I know you love your salmon. Uh, I like, um. A steak. Uh, there's a New York butcher in Greenville that have veal chops now that are great. Uh, I like to grill I mean, we a lot. Yeah, okay. yeah, we, we could talk about food for. Yeah, we could. We could totally okay, talk about okay. food. But I will say dinner that, is my biggest meal. So. I, but you did breakfast this morning. Well, I did because y'all were here. Well, that's true. Okay. okay. So, Dad, on that front, though, what are some other things that bring you joy? So, when you're not working and you just want to like feel good on the inside, what gives you joy? Um, like being in nature and my, hunting, okay, you love that. Well, okay, well, I, I enjoy hunting. Mm -hmm. uh, I enjoy being out. In nature. Uh, I enjoy, um, you know, around the house um, with, you know, friends that I have in the horticultural business. I enjoy plants and trees. Uh, I'm, I'm by far from having a botanical garden but no but it's beautiful okay here. but yeah, and it's something that i've added on, so i enjoy that i just I, I listen i um you I, like to travel okay i like to travel i i just like being at home i i, I listen i like being at home I know i'm you not do home that. a lot so yeah. i like being at home I know you okay do. but but Farrell, i like just the kind of bread and butter simple things but but i can go you know to the sophisticated from time to time Okay, so, Dad, you know, I in my, um, everything I write I in, um, is the last thing I ask is, um, what is your definition of hope, and how do you find it? This is the grand finale, Dad. Okay, I know. The, my definition of hope is a state of mind, a disciplined practice, a... Uh, a positive attitude of things will be better tomorrow, uh, coupled with uh, a religious foundation, 
a prayerful attitude uh, and um, relying on you, okay, relying on you uh, as a person to try to put the things together to create it. Meaning, you can hope this, but at some point you've got to, in, in certain instances, you've got to help hope. You've got to be a catalyst for hope. Mm -hmm. And so you just can't sit back and hope I'm going to do this and hope I'm going to do that and hope this and hope that. At some point, you've got to take some direction to try to make that happen. Right. Okay. And so that's what hope in life is all about. It's a combination. See, th that's the difference between... Okay. I think to be an active Christian requires some active participation on your part. I don't think you can just, I mean, unless you're unable to move, talk, whatever, I just don't think you can sit there and think and, and hope and hope that something happens. I think that there's got to be some Well, God's action. given us the mind, heart, body. Right, okay, but okay. Let's get out there and do All it. Right, so yeah. does that answer your question? Well, yeah, Dad, because I think you're one of the most hopeful people I know. You're well, a person that makes hope possible in a lot of people's lives. So that, well, that when you in don't, itself. Listen, when you don't have hope, that's, that's, that's a scary place okay, to that's be. That's right. Yeah, but I think that um, it's one thing to to be a person of hope, it's another to spend your entire life trying to help other people have hope. And I think you do that. Well, in your job, you do it in, in the community, um, within our family. You are certainly a person of hope. Well, thank you.